You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast for buying about black culture here at the Griot Black Podcast Network. I'm your host, Panama Jackson, and we have a special guest here today. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for the one, the only, Van Lathan Jr. Uh, Digital hand claps. Glad to have you here. Uh, You're somebody who... You're a, I'm a pop culture commentator. That's literally what you are, what you do. That's why we all know who you are. Um, I'll start from assumingly a wonderful person, but I know you from all the pop culture stuff that you do. Uh, it's like literally my bag. My 100% my bag is almost everything that you talk about. Um, I was going to start somewhere else, but because of the unfortunate news that we all got this morning. Once officers arrived, and they came up on a, a male who was deceased. Uh, that male has been identified as Kersnick Ball, better known as Takeoff. When you heard about the news that Takeoff was senselessly killed this morning in Houston, Texas, um, I saw that this morning when I woke up. Like, what were your first thoughts? I was gutted. You know, I would love to say that my first thoughts were about Takeoff's friends, his family, um, the people around him that would... uh that would, you know, immediately and most directly feel his loss. But I was angry. Um, I'm not sure how many people are, are are feeling these same set of emotions, but I was mad. I'm angry. I'm angry that a 28-year-old man is gone forever. And right. it seems to fit into this weird rhythm this staccato rhythm, but very real every two, three months, every six months, uh, we lose a a human being that happens to be a rapper. um, And we just have to deal with it. Uh, Take off. If you being a cultural critic, you know that take off and the Migos are one of the biggest acts in the history of hip hop. They changed the sound, the rhythm of hip hop. Uh, these brothers were brothers that made it from, you know, North Atlanta to Mountain Dew ads to being the voice of the NBA Finals. Like they had, they had made it. They were out. They were gone. They made over. it. They were. It was. It was finished. You had a feeling that the book on the Migos had been started from something, ended up somewhere. And so, so for this uh, this pain and this violence to boomerang and come back and meet people at the top of where they are, it makes it sometimes feel like we're living in a black hole where there's no escaping some of the social ills that we thought that we could escape in the past. And it's just a sobering reminder every time something like this happens. As of 2022, there's been a staggering number of rappers who've been murdered. And more than half of those cases are unsolved. When you're looking at the show Hip Hop Homicides, you see such a commonality between all of these stories. And it was one of the things that really fascinated uh, fascinated me about it when I started looking at it was that these these are stories that span decades from different places. But they're common mistakes that were made. They're common themes in all of them. And 
that to me means that there's something that can be done about it. And I'm not just talking about as it relates to rappers. I'm talking about as it relates to people that there are no murals for, that there are no songs written about, that there are no Reddit forums about. Uh, And it also just reminded me that, and it's going to remind a lot of people, I think, that there's an entire generation of black men who are living in war zones and we're pretending like it doesn't exist. Like we visited and we didn't, we didn't give you guys a thousand mile view of this. Wherever this stuff was happening, we were there. We were on O Block. We're on 63rd. We're in Lauder Hill, right? We were in New Orleans in the Ninth Ward, in the Third Ward, right? We were in Canarsie, where Pop Smoke is from. We're in Compton, Southside Chicago, Inglewood, wherever it was, wherever these things were, we 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 put ourselves on the ground there and gave people a lay of the land. And when you see it, you don't want to ignore it. And not only do you not want to ignore it, you don't want anybody else to ignore it either. Hip Hop Homicides, for me, started off as a show that was a true crime show in a genre that's exploding, obviously. But it ended up being an examination of cultural dysfunction. It ended up being interviews with mothers that were crying and never going to get sons and daughters back with children who don't have fathers and don't have mothers. It ended up being tales of communities that lost people that don't know how to move on. It ended up being unheard victims, unheard families, like people who didn't get a say in things. It ended up being something that was really very meaningful to me and really changed me in a lot of ways. So I'm excited that people will get a chance to see it, but I hope that they care, man. Like I, I sincerely hope that they care. And I hope that one day, <clears throat> this show gets canceled. It's the only show I've ever worked on that I hope one day we don't have enough of these situations for us to do anything else about it, for us to it's do any more perspective. Like, I hope it's the only show I've ever worked on that I hope one day we don't have to do it anymore. But for right now, I think it's kind of needed. We're on our way right now to talk to Audrey Jackson. That's Pop Smoke's mother. To get a sense of who he was as a man that's beyond the hip hop glitz and fame. Ms. Jackson, how are you feeling since uh, the news of Pop's death? I am okay right now. You know, I try not to cry. I try not to kind of fully feel it because I don't know if I'm going to be able to come back. Let me ask you a question because 50 Cent says something really profound to me um, in the first episode that I had a chance to see. And it may, I've been thinking about it since since I had a chance to look at it where he mentioned, I guess like he's, and I'm probably getting this wrong, so just forgive me, but we're kind of talking about the energy of the era that he grew up in it was the same energy, but it's just different now in the way that I guess it's, I don't know, he was talking about the energy right like the 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 90s where it didn't seem like rappers were dying the same way as constantly like it happened on the 90s and early it happened right i mean obviously the big the pox and the biggies like we those people the the freaky taz like things happened right those things were happening yeah big of course big l in the danger zone but it's like it feels so much more common now like it feels like 
it feels like rappers have a different kind of tar- like an actionable target on their yeah. backs now. Like it feels, and, and I'm, I'm not going to blame it. Like, you know, we all wanted to, not we all, but there was all the stuff about PMB's girlfriend posting locations. And that's not what happened at all, but it was a narrative that people could get behind. Like, don't be dumb. Don't be doing this stuff like this where you do that. But people do stuff like that. That happened to a couple rappers who had posted their, 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 their locations and dropped a pin or whatever. And the next thing you know, they're no longer here. Do you feel like the era that, you know, you and I grew up in is different than this era now in terms of the way that I guess the violence impacts the rap game? Because, you know, in the article that I wrote about this earlier, you know, I had to, I had to be honest, like, look, violence has been a part of hip hop. It's it's just part of the DNA of it, you know, for better or worse, you know, sometimes in the, you know, I, I grew up, I'm down South, you know, I was all about death row and, 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 and Dr. Dre and NW that I grew up on that stuff. That was like my, those are my favorites. Right. Yeah. So it's always been a part of it. So in, you know, I always have to say, I have to thank my parents for not, for not allowing me to turn into a nihilistic, you know, uh, sadist because I was grounded. Yeah. But does it seem different after having gone through all these stories and having literally like delved into these crimes and homicides, does it feel different than, than the nineties and early, th- early two thousands? Yeah. Yes and no. So a couple of the stories that we did should say we did Magnolia Shorty, who was killed in 2010. Okay. And we did uh we did um uh Soldier Slim, who I think was killed in 2004, 2003, 2004. Yeah, that sounds about right, yep. Yeah. Um, so we did we did cover some stories that predate the current era that we're in, right? Okay. Um, and Kinks was a little bit earlier than kind of what we're in right now, even though it was only like around uh, seven or eight years ago. Time for a quick break. Stay with us. The Grio Black Podcast Network is here. Everything you've been waiting for. Black culture amplified. Find your voice on the Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Grio mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. And we're back. So having a conversation with my mother, my mother was telling me about my aunt and my aunt spent some time with Prince. Okay. Let's put it that way. And so I remember because I was asking her, I was like, uh, I was on, um, we went to visit my auntie. <laughs> I love it. Any story involving Prince is always fun. Uh, we went to visit my auntie one time, and we went to Minneapolis. And I was like, how she get, why did she move? Because we went to, it was a, it's like, why did she move to Minneapolis? Like, why Why did she live in up there? Like, why was she living there? And we went up to Minnesota, and then we went to Canada. The whole thing was like, why she moved up there? My mother was like, well... She wanted to meet somebody, and she ended up meeting them. She hung out in their crew and their circle for a little while, but it's not like things are today. And I was like, how, th- how are things are today? She was like, well, if you were going to do something like that today, you had either had to wait till these huge people came through to your city, or you had to go to them, right? So if you wanted, she's like, if you wanted to meet the Jackson 5, right, the Jackson 5 had to come to where you were, or you had to travel to where they were going to go, right? She's like, now, with the way things are, you're literally one message or one place from meeting the biggest people in the world. Yes. The fame is no longer an insulator from, from, from your proximity to these people. We're all digitally connected. That changes celebrity 
in a lot of ways. And it makes things a lot more intimate. And it makes you more killable. I'll just be honest with you because people, number one, they know where you are a lot more, okay? Because it's not just like, hey, we in Vegas, this person's going to be here. The entire nation knows. Everybody knows where you are. Like at at, at any given point, right? It, It doesn't, you can't even go someplace and be there and not let people know where you are or else you didn't even go there, right? And then number two, because all of this stuff is so front of mind to so many of these people, these street beefs get magnified in a way uh, that I don't think that we've seen before. And one common thread that we, we saw on social media is we saw proximity be something that got people killed. We saw location be something that we got people killed. Got, got people killed. But we also see this ever-present conversation on social media, whether it be on Reddit, whether it be on Instagram, whether it be on Twitter, wherever it is, of people talking to one another and upping the ante on all of this stuff. We also see other people getting involved with this and egging people on and not letting beefs die. The first time I ever knew that Pac had a problem with Big was when Hit Em Up came out. That's the first time I knew that they had a problem. I didn't know there was no problems before then because everything that was going on with them Every single thought that he had about them, he was telling it to people in his inner circle. Wasn't no Twitter. He wasn't gonna go sit down with Tabitha Soren or <laughs> right. or or Donnie Simpson and tell Donnie Simpson and Sherry Carter how much he that's a throwback for y'all and tell them how much he cared about that. Now you have an emotion about somebody, you take it to a place where it's magnified. You take it to a place where it's all of this other stuff. Ja Rule 50, all of this. We heard about all of this stuff after it already happened. We were never wondering what was going to happen when these two guys run into each other because we'd already heard about run-ins that they had had. Social media, the connectivity of people, it's created a different culture. It's created a a much more dangerous culture, a much more intimate culture in a way to where uh, beefs don't become beefs anymore. They become blood feuds. And it's a difference. They don't become, it's like, I don't like this guy. It becomes a whole echo of people on your side, like pumping you up to do something. And a whole echo of people on another side, pumping you up to do something. And then all of a sudden, there's no way to escape it. And if it's not about them pumping you up to actually go out and be violent against somebody that you don't like, it's about them pumping you up to floss to have jewelry, to have money, to have sections in the club. And that's the kind of thing that gets somebody like a Pop Smoke killed because Pop Smoke is not seen as a human being. He's seen as a target, as a conduit to being able to stunt because we're almost living in a mutated form of hip-hop. Everything that the 90s and the 2000s seemed to be about, now it's almost mutated into this I'm not going to blame it all on the music, but like, I'm not going to blame the music for the majority of it, but a lot of the things that people said when we were growing up are things that were said on records, but then these guys were going out and trying to stay away from all of that stuff. Right. Now, it doesn't even matter if you're not really doing it. The energy that 50 Cent is talking about, 50 doesn't understand it. I don't mean to drone on, but 50 doesn't understand it because 50 said, 
my entire purpose when I was doing what I was doing was to get money and leave it all behind and not have to hurt anybody anymore, not have to get hurt. Like it wasn't to have the most bodies and be the biggest goon. It was to actually have the most money, move to Connecticut and leave the entire thing behind, leave the block, as he says. Now, it don't matter how much you got, how much wherever you are, like they want to know that you really bought what you're talking about because they shooting each other up. So I think I, I went on for like four minutes there and I you can't even scratch the surface of the differences right. now. Like people was talking about being savages. We birthed real savages. People was talking about being killers. We birthed real killers. We're not even talking about the rappers the ones that have killed, the ones that are in jail, the ones that like are really picking up guns and going to work. You know, we covered some of those guys on this show. It's it's a different animal out there. Maybe it seems that way because I'm old, but it's totally yeah, different. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna touch. We're gonna take a real quick break here. And we're gonna come right back and talk a little bit more about hip hop homicides. And I have some other things I want to ask you about just because I have you here. So sure. we'll take a real quick break here on Deer Culture. Introducing Deer Culture with Panama Jackson on the Grio Black Podcast Network. Bring your friends for the shenanigans and stay for the edutainment as Panama debates culture wars, Janet Jackson versus Michael, Black Fashions, Black Mendations, and everything black. Listen today on the Grio mobile app for all the black culture conversations you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard. All right, we're back here on Deer Culture. We have Van Lathan Jr. here talking about a show that he's hosting called Hip Hop Homicides. And we were just kind of talking about the different eras of, of hip hop and, and, and how we got to this place where shows like, like, like you're doing are necessary or the stories have to be explained more. And, you know, part of the difference, you mentioned a couple of things that I thought were really poignant where, you know, we didn't know anything about the Tupac Biggie beef until Hit Em Up comes out. But nowadays, the entry into hip-hop is so low. Like, I don't even think these guys are really rappers. It's just a means to an end. Like, you know, it was a career choice at one point. Like, I'm going to try to be a rapper. Like, I'm going to leave all this other stuff behind and do it. Now it's just like, I got 10 minutes. Let me make a quick song at my, my ops. And I'll drop that out there. It gets spread immediately. And all of a sudden, like you said, these beefs just kind of, they fester and they grow. And everybody has a say, so everybody's a part of it. Like, it's to the point where, interestingly, like, I feel like there's a... I guess there's always been a, a different world with rappers and like citizens, so to speak. But you know, like everything, everything is so interconnected now because of social media and the way these things work. Like people who aren't even the rappers and making all the money are as involved in the beefs and all this other stuff. That you know, you mentioned hoping the show gets canceled, and I hope so too. Like that is my hope. I don't know how you get to that point with social media being the way that it is uh -huh. like i don't i don't know how you i don't know how you stop the avalanche that that's easy to get start with one simple tweet and all the everybody's in the same place everybody's on social media in the same ways like i don't know i guess that my, my question here is you know you found common threads through doing this did you also see the potential for the common solutions for yes. a lot of these for a lot of these cases yeah so i did uh we we, we did we absolutely did. And I think that social media, <laughs> I hope that people, I hope that people watch this show 
just so they can see the impact that social media is having on all of these cases. Okay. Not here to be the get off my yard guy, but I'm telling you that like people are dying over Instagram. Like they're dying over Twitter. They're we're we're in a situation to where, and it's not just their fault; it's our fault too. Look, I'm not gonna ever play holier than thou. The great the great thing about working at TMZ is that means that you can never play holier than thou ever, ever. You just lose the moral high ground for forever, right? <laughs> That's a great thing. So I never have to try to be that. I never have to try to be the guy who's preaching at you, but. I can shake people and let people know that I talked to the mothers of dead people and I asked them, do you think that social media and the climate created on social media had an impact on what happened to your child? And almost 100% 100% of the time, they would say yes. Yeah. We all love Twitter and Instagram. But it's the same way we make cultural rules for everything else. There have to be some cultural rules about uh, around the way we relate to and communicate with, with one another in public spaces. Because if not, all we're doing is letting audiences of unknown people put batteries in other people's backs to do crazy shit. And, you know, their entire YouTube communities dedicated to the murders, the war. What's happening in Chicago right now is not gang violence. It's akin to living in Fallujah. It's akin to living, like, we're we're talking about, it's like the West Bank. Like, there, there is, there, we interviewed a kid named FBG Cash. We interviewed him in April, right? We were there in Chicago, lovely place, Chicago, with beautiful, amazing people. Everywhere we went in Chicago, we found amazing people just trying to live their lives the best way that they could. I meet this kid, talking to him. He's cool. You know, he's 29, 30 years old. He's, 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 he's trying to live out the legacy of his man, FBG Duck, who was killed. Okay. You know, he hits me up. He connects me with somebody else. It's like, yo, Van, when you come out to L.A., come holler at me. I'm like, yeah, we can hang out here. We ain't hanging out in Chicago because y'all, because <laughs> y'all, you know, cool dude, yeah. cool guy, funny kid. One day I wake up, he's dead. Lured into a situation. He didn't even make the premiere of the show. Wow. Talked to him in April. He's like dead in July. And it's like, this is just, it's what's going on. And it's, it's, it's like, it's, nobody has any hope. And all of these things are tied up in it to, together, right? You, you put something on social, you put a song out, now you got to die. It used to be that these dudes would meet up and they would fight each other. Worst case right. scenario, somebody, the streets handled the streets, how the streets would handle it. Rap game handled the rap game, how the rap game would handle it. It's about songs. It's about beef. Might be a fight. Not anymore. A lot of these things are intertwined. The rap becomes the streets. The streets become the rap. Um, Rap has never been more uh, like uh, a soundtrack to the streets right now. And the streets have never been colder than what they are right now. It seems like. I know they probably have. I know that they have been. But it seems like we're getting a, a, a we're getting a dissertation. 
in the way people can kill people right now and it's happening on these records. So, look, I, I hope that when people see hip-hop homicides, that they understand that obviously, uh, you know, we have to litigate certain things, we have to ask certain questions, but there's a deeper meaning to the show to me. And there's a deeper edict to the show. The show to me is more about not even trying to find out who killed Pop Smoke. It's trying to find out if we killed Pop Smoke. If we killed uh, FBG Duck. When I say we, I mean the culture. Is there, is there something right. that we, like, can we save some of these kids? Can we save some of these young men? Can we, are, are there things that we're missing? And, you know, as long as this stays like this, like, I'll keep putting this in people's faces and I'm willing to be the corny guy doing it because it can't all be about fun if somebody dies at the end of the night. Nah, that's real. That's very real. Time for a quick break. Stay with us. The Griot Black Podcast Network is here and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the Black perspective. Ready for real talk and Black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Grio Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Grio mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. And we're back. All right. I'm going to segue... A bit, okay. and I'm going to ask you an extremely ironic question, but I got to ask. I listen to all the podcasts. Uh, like I said, you're you're in my bag. The type of stuff you talk about is the type of stuff that I'm talking about, and I'm having conversations both online and. and Are you tired of talking about Kanye West? Of course. <laughs> First yeah. of all, calmly. What, what's your What's your name, though? I'm Van. I'm, and I'm I'm sorry for for disappointing you, Van. Because so I had this conversation with with, with the homies recently because it's like bro we keep having to have conversations about Kanye West, right. but oddly he's also spawning a bunch of conversations that we might need to be having about cultural uh, currency, about the way things work, about the value of Black life, about brands, about it's like it's it's the it's like a bizarro world where Kanye himself is irritating to no end. And yet he keeps opening these doors of all these conversations that we might need to be happening, which yeah. almost somewhat validates what he's doing. It's just he doesn't know how to do it. Like, yeah. he's a cancer unto himself, but he's not always wrong. It's mm-hmm. just he's it's the shoot the messenger kind of thing, right? Like, he just, you know, and also randomly, I, I rewatched the, the TMZ clip, like the got to be one of the, I, I read in your book, like it's one of the biggest, like one of the most, I guess, biggest moments in your life was the the Ooh. the. The situation with, with with Kanye and I didn't even realize Candace Owens was in the room with that because she tried to say something and you and you and Kanye were going back and forth. She didn't get a chance, which is great. And one of the biggest things I'm upset about Kanye, which is the fact that I know who Candace Owens is and that she's a part of our discussions in the world in a legit way. But like the Kanye conversation, everything I just said, he's creating all these conversations. I think we do need to have, even if he's doing it irresponsibly, whatever. Like he's he's. He's even showing how not to conduct interviews. He basically gave a, a, a show for, if you want to know how not to do an interview with a celebrity, the Noriega yeah. Drink Champs interview is it, right? Like, that's yeah. literally, you can do a class on this. Like, just watch this and let's analyze and dissect. So, 
how do you think this all looks five years from now? Let's let's assume Kanye gets his phone taken away, seeks the help he needs, gets his family life back together, because that's my biggest concern for him, like the family and the kids and all that stuff. But let's say all of the all of the the foolishness stops here, right? Five years from now, how do you think we look back on this whole this whole Kanye saga? I don't know. It's one of the more interesting things that's ever happened. Like facts. I don't know. So OJ happens, I'm like 15, 16 years old. Right. And my dad, God rest his soul, he goes, he goes, son, I won't let you know something. He's like, what? OJ is guilty of sin. Okay. He's like, I know everybody's frustrated, everybody's mad, and we got a right to be. He goes, OJ is guilty of sin. And he goes, I won't let you know something else. That OJ gonna go right back to being white after this is over. So I don't want you to get worked up or disappointed because he's seen me really beating the OJ drum very hard. I didn't know nothing about the world, man. 15, 16 year old kid. I was like, you know what I'm saying? It's like he's seen me beating the OJ drum very hard. He's like, just let you know that if you think that 10 years from now, something gonna go down, that you're gonna be able to rely on OJ. He's like, you're not. So it goes. So there's a foresight there that he that he that he. I was about to say that was profound, actually. Yeah, <laughs> that was profound. There's a foresight there that he had because he understood the way things work. So for Ye, it the reason why I say that is because for black people protecting each other is a pro evolutionary trait. Like the one thing that we owe each other as black people is to protect one another, right? We everything else about being black, we legislated. Everything else. Like there's this one black community, right? But parts of this country you go to, they put sugar in their grits. Parts of the country you go to is salt. But like we 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 are 40 million people, and as much as people think we're the same, we're very diverse. But the one thing that we all have to do is protect one another. And so for Kanye, who is uh who has refused to protect black people, like refused, Right. came at George Floyd. Kanye just, like, literally, I'm just waiting for his true unvarnished opinion on Dr. King pretty soon. It's coming. I'm telling you it's right coming. now. <laughs> it's coming. Or it's coming. Him. Like, right, it's coming. So, you know, Kanye gave us slander to the ancestors. He gave us a little Harriet Tubman slander. You know what I mean? He's just he's just picking people off, but it's still our knee jerk reaction to protect him when he when he's feeling assailed. Now I'm done with that. I'm 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 over that, but I know a lot of people aren't. So when Kanye does rebound, when he is thinking a little bit more clear, and that time will come. There's going to be a time right now where he gives a full throated wholehearted apology for this entire era. He's only 45 years old. Yeah, that, still that young. Time, that, that, that time is coming. I'm interested in what are people going to say? Because this is now going to be buttressed up against uh, an entire other community where he is being talked about in the same breath as Goebbels, right. the propaganda minister of the Nazi party, yep. like it, it 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 I'm interested in, in in how that shapes and really there is a D 
deep divide happening right now. And Kanye West, his rhetoric is making a lot of guys that I know ask questions that I never thought that they would ask. Same here. Like I'm, I'm getting people calling me up and going, well, shouldn't we, shouldn't we be against the Jews? Shouldn't we be this? Shouldn't we be that? Shouldn't we be this? I'm like, my God, man. Yeah. The discussions just, have been crazy. The type of discussions I've been in in the past several weeks. I'm like, man, I've never thought that I'd be having these kind of conversations. Or here, yeah. where I'm having to literally debate. The way that people think black men ain't deep, we're having all the most in-depth conversations. And in, in black, the black community in general, obviously. But like, yeah, of course. It's, it, is, it is crazy. And so, and so what I would say is that if, if there was something festering, and it's time to be brave enough to bring it to a head. I'm with that. But I'm telling you right now, man, the 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 gospel of yay is is just not what we think it is, man. Like that brother needs some help. That brother needs some guidance. And the most the scariest things is the scariest thing is this. None of these words are his. Yeah. He's literally listening to the last thing that he heard from somebody and regurgitating it out to you to the point to where it's not even fully formed. And I'm not saying that in any way to let him off the hook because there is, he's, that is what it is. But I'm just saying that that's the most dangerous part of, about it. The most dangerous part about it is that he's actually a loud, powerful puppet. And that's scary. I'm with you. Time for a quick break. Stay with us. Don't forget, you can listen to the Griot's Writing Black podcast hosted by me, Maisha Kai. This isn't your typical writing podcast. We interview any and everybody that has anything to do with writing, from comics to poets to authors to journalists to politicians and more. Remember, that's Writing Black every Sunday right here on the Griot's Black Podcast Network. Download the Griot's app to listen to Writing Black wherever you are. And we're back. I'm gonna ask you one last question. This will be, hopefully this is a brief one, and then we're gonna, sure. we're gonna cut to break. But this is gonna be a, a, a another sidebar. You have the podcast you do with Charles on the Prestige, or on the Prestige podcast you all do Atlanta. Yeah. Where does Atlanta belong? Does does Atlanta belong on the Mount Rushmore of TV? Of and I ask TV? Because I've listened to every yeah. So oh well, let me say let me. I don't want to just say black TV, but I'm mostly invested in black television shows. Um, where so where do you think Atlanta fits in with with all of this? Like I've listened to every one of the episodes y'all done about this, and I'm always you know I can't believe you never saw a Goofy movie. Uh, that was my movie. I've been having the Goofy's Black argument with people for decades <laughs> at this point. What it feels like decades. I was very right. intuitive even at 15 years old. I was like yo Goofy, Goofy brother y'all. Right. But, so where do you think Atlanta sits in the television landscape? It's it's a genius show. It's brilliant, but when it's all said and done, are we mm-hmm. going to be talking about it the way we talk about The Wire? What do you think? Ooh. Uh, I think Atlanta is the Kawhi Leonard of television shows. <laughs> that makes that makes sense to me. How about that? But Atlanta is, is the Kawhi Leonard of television shows. It When you look at it, when you look really hard at it, you go, yo, is there anybody better when the show is cooking good? Because, like... I remember 
my brother used to say, like, Kawhi Leonard's best two-way player in the league. Offensively and defensively, so I was like, eh, is Kawhi Leonard, Leonard the best player in basketball? Like, he, he's one of the biggest difference makers, and he'll he snatch he, he, two. He's got the stats. He's got everything. But there's just something that, like, he plays when he wants to. Right. No regular season MVPs. There's like a staccato way in the way that he made his impact. And that's the kind of the same thing. In and out. Kind of the same thing with Atlanta. It's a show that, like, if Atlanta is six, seven years, but it's like, it's only going to be four seasons. Those four seasons spread out over like six or seven years. It it doesn't want to be mainstream. It doesn't want to be, it doesn't want a Nike contract. It wants to be New Balance. So, I don't know if Atlanta even Atlanta wants to make you think and it wants to be artsy, but I don't know if the show even wants to be great. And that's probably why, you know, you won't, I don't think greatness is, a, is something that it's, it's aspiring to. I think it's inspiring to propel art way forward. And it did that. It propelled Atlanta propelled art, black art way forward to me. So it's like one of those things, the closer you look at it, you go, Oh, but then when you step back, it just doesn't feel like it's as important as some of the rest of the shows that we might talk about. That is a uh, that is a great insight. That's another hour-long podcast in and of itself. <laughs> Everything you just said, I'm like, yo, I can... We ain't got that kind of time. So we're going to take one quick break. So thank you for that, because since I listen to the podcast, I'm always wondering, like, how you... Like, when you all get to the end of this, since it's the last season, where y'all are going to, like, couch this show in terms of everything else. But, yeah, I'm going to... Exactly. I'm with you. The Kawhi thing makes a lot of sense to me. All right, we're going to take one last quick break, and we're going to come back with some Black Fashions, a Black Medation uh, with Van Lathan. The Griot Black Podcast Network is here, and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the Black perspective. Ready for real talk and Black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Grio mobile app and tune in everywhere. Great podcasts are heard. All right, we're back here, dear culture. We're still here with Van Lathan, and we're coming to the end of this podcast. But you know what that means? We always do a couple things to end the All show right. to to illustrate just how non monolithic the black culture is. Right? We all love to say it ain't a monolith. Though, and and people prove this left and right. I'm gonna tell you, Van. I gotta be honest with you. The strangest black mandation, I mean, black fashion I've ever had on here was uh, a host of one of our other shows that did the show, and she told me she puts ketchup in her grits. I was not ready for that, bro. Like, I literally, as a southerner, that actually, I I retched for a second, and I actually probably had to pause the taping of the show because I couldn't handle it. I needed a second to genuinely reflect on life and how she got here to begin with. Like, how how did we? Like, but anyway, so that was the craziest thing that I'd heard. Um, but a black fashion being a confession about about blackness, about your personal brand of blackness, something people be surprised to learn about you, considering who you are, what you do, and, and everything you know yeah, and are about. It's so crazy because when you said that at the beginning of the show, I was wondering. I, I was like, jeez, oh, I wish I had. I wish I had like more time to think about it. Um, because I get a lot of crap for the goofy movie thing, but I don't think that's a big enough one. Yeah, I think I think the episode of Atlanta put more emphasis on a goofy movie than the goofy movie put on a goofy movie. You know what I'm saying? Like it created 
I've had conversations. So many people that I know haven't seen the movie, and I'm surprised because I watched it when it came out. And I probably haven't watched it since, but all of a sudden there's all this... It it put a spotlight on something I don't think anybody had been thinking about if you weren't in that small amount of people on the internet who think about this stuff way too much. I got one. All right, what you got? So I'm a good dancer, right? Okay. I'm a good dancer. Fat boy can go. Uh-oh. But... Dog, I've never really been able to figure out the electric slide, man. I knew you were about to say that as soon as you said dancing. <laughs> Bruh, it's like, it's like, shout out to my man Gino. So my man Gino, Walter Gino McLaughlin down there in Baton Rouge. Shout out to my man Gino. Like, we would be doing the electric slide, right? We were doing the electric slide. It's like, and Gino would be, to help me do the electric slide, Gino would be pointing in the way he would be like, <laughs> You know, like, you know what I mean? Because like, I get confused, right? Like, I get, it's like, you go for it, you go back, then you you fake like you're going to do it, and then boom, boom, boom. I'm one of those guys that, go, that does it a couple times and goes, <laughs> and then goes and sits down. And, and all of the dances that were offshoots of the electric slide, the Cupid Shuffle, like, all of those all have things. Directions. They all have directions. And for some reason... I don't know if it's my dyslexia or whatever it is. I just never, I'm not a confident electric slider. I'm just not. You know, it makes sense, though, because, for one, the songs that people do the electric, like, you, people do it to Candy, I mean, to, to, to Candy, right? Like, the yeah. electric slide has a song, but everybody does it to Candy. But people be out there trying to get cute with it, too. They be adding their own little spin and swag on it. So if you if you already struggling with the timing, that can throw you completely off, right? In, in Louisiana, girls they they twerk with it, like they, they twerk they with it. it, they drop it they low, they get to the whole thing. And I'm like, like I, I appreciate the ass, but like I'm trying to get my shit together, right? <laughs> right, and my count also, is off. I, I think that also to be real with you, I punted on it early on and didn't really put the time in because I've only because I'm so intimidated by it. You know what I mean? I don't really, gotcha. I don't really do it as much. It's other dances that I, you know, all the dances from down home I can do them, but like electric slide, I'm, I'm off with that one. You can get the Josephine Johnny on, but the electric, the electric oh, slide is gun. Lord you, you have got mercy, the- got the whole fighting. I, that's I, all of that stuff. I'm good with. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that's that's a black that's a black fashion for Van Lathan. Time for a quick break. Stay with us. The Griot Black Podcast Network is here. Everything you've been waiting for. Black culture amplified. Find your voice on the Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Griot mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. And we're back. Do you have a black recommendation, which is a recommendation about something by for and about blackness that people that you think people should check out? Could be anything you got going on, anything that you listen to, anything that you think people should check out. First of all, my black recommendation is books. I want y'all to read. Very important. <laughs> okay. Uh, but there's a specific book. The book is called The Sword and the Shield. It's by Peniel Joseph, right? Okay. Um, and the reason why I want people to read this book, if they have the chance to read this book, is because the book is about Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., right? And it's about how their lives were tethered. And it tells their life, both of their lives, uh, from the... Um, from the perspective of how they juxtapose one another. And if you look at the lives of both men, America made them into really the same person by the time their lives were over. Uh, 
the Malcolm X had become to a degree less radical. Dr. King had become to a degree more radical. Well, not even to a degree. It's more radical. Right. And the way Dr. Joseph, who is a a professor down there at the University of Texas, the way Dr. Joseph uses each guy to contextualize uh, one another and to compare and contrast one another, it's brilliant. It's 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 brilliant, and it really talks about the the manhood, the struggle, the strife, and what it meant to be in that fight um, in the '60s. And I think it would do a lot for our understanding of each guy. With very two, two very important guys for us to uh, for us to 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 be able to talk about. So, the Sword and the Shield by 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 Peniel Joseph. Like you guys, go check that out. All right, I'll make sure to check that out. That's a, that's a. I have a lot of books. I'm a I'm a book person. I I run a book club. I'm one of them people. I do not have that book, and now I feel a little bit ashamed about that one. So I will make sure I check that out. Um, yeah. Or one more thing. Go, one more thing. Go ahead. Perfect, Wait, Saturday, Perfect Saturday Night Movie. Perfect Saturday Night Movie. For my older, for my younger black people, I know y'all never seen this movie. I want y'all to watch this movie. Uptown Saturday Night, let's do it again. I'm telling y'all right now, the blackest, best movie combination. Now, there is somebody in this movie. I was about to say, can we recommend these? Can, can, this, can we recommend that movie? Those movies? We, 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 there is somebody in this movie. Damn, I forgot. I was about to, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's so hard. Know. You know what, just... Just watch Moonwalk. Can you watch Moonwalk? Just, you know what? Watch The Last Dragon. Watch The Last Dragon. There you go. Those movies right. are great, but I don't know, man. This is so it's hard. hard. It, it's, All right, bro. It's hard. Listen, my brother, <laughs> we appreciate having you here, dear culture. In the, in the off chance that anybody listening does not know where to find you or where to check out Hip Hop Homicides, now please tell people where they can find you, how they can keep up with what you're doing and what you got, you know, when does Hip Hop Homicides come on? Hip Hop Homicides comes on uh, this Thursday night on WeTV. It will stream on All Black next Monday. Uh, you guys really need to hip- check out Hip Hop Homicides. It is entertaining. It is infotaining. Um, it's very timely, but you'll also have a fun time watching the show. You'll have a as, as much as you can. You'll have a, um, a fun time. I don't want to say a fun time. You'll have an, an, an enriching time watching the show the show is uh it's it's entertaining it's 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 infotaining and it's very necessary so if you care about what's going on you might want to check out the show you'll be enthralled with what we were able to produce and i'm very very proud of it uh everywhere else you can t- you you can get me it's at van lathan twitter instagram all of that stuff but most importantly i want you guys to love and take care of each other and really consider each other when you're making decisions that's all we can ask for right now Yes, sir. Well, thank you for joining us here at Dear Culture, which is an original podcast of the Grio Black Podcast Network. Uh, please send all email suggestions, email scams, pyramid schemes, all that stuff to podcast at thegrio.com. Um, Dear Culture is an original production of the Grio Black Podcast Network. I'm Panama Jackson. Uh, my producer is Sasha Armstrong. This and Regina Griffin is our managing editor of podcasts. Van Lathan, thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Appreciate all you do. Uh, keep working. I don't know how you get the time, but keep doing it. So for <laughs> myself here for the Grio, I'm Panama Jackson. Have a black one.
Don't forget, you can listen to the Griot's Writing Black podcast hosted by me, Maisha Kai. This isn't your typical writing podcast. We interview any and everybody that has anything to do with writing, from comics to poets to authors to journalists to politicians and more. Remember, that's Writing Black every Sunday right here on the Griot's Black Podcast Network. Download the Griot's app to listen to Writing Black wherever you are. <laughs>